Good morning. This is Commission President Ryan Calkins convening the special meeting of October 11th, 2022. The time is 9.38 a.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle headquarters building in the Pier 69 Commission chambers and virtually through Microsoft Teams. This is a commission study session. Present with me today are Commissioners Cho, Felman, Hasegawa, and Muhammad. This session is being recorded and broadcast today on the Port's website at meetings.portseattle.org. I'll note that all commissioners are in attendance at this time, although Commissioners Cho and Muhammad are tuning in virtually. The purpose of the study session is to discuss the 2023 preliminary operating and CIP budgets for the Aviation Division. Executive Director Metric, please get us started today. Commissioners, good morning. Uh, thank you for your time this morning to discuss the Aviation, op Aviation Division operating and capital budgets. This is the culmination of months of work, and we recognize it's a lot of information, so we're continually working to provide it in a, an efficient and effective manner that meets the needs of you and the community. So we appreciate the opportunity this morning to discuss the largest operating divisions operating and capital budgets in a dedicated time period. We're pleased to be able to spend so, so much time dedicated to discussing these specific, uh, the specific budget. Seattle-Tacoma International Airport is a significant driver of incredible community benefit. Through the economic activity it generates, the job opportunities it creates, and the ability for people and goods to travel in and out of our region to and from the rest of the world. In addition, the airport is a national leader in investing in sustainability, accessibility, innovation, and quality of life, ensuring that we not only create a world-class gateway and customer experience, but also address the impacts of our operations. However, we also know that there are community concerns that we need to continue to lean into, from advancing work to address aviation noise and emissions, to how better to support the workforce that serves the airport. In today's discussion, I look forward to highlighting some of the ways that we believe we can continue to make progress on those fronts while simultaneously achieving our goals for our tenants, vendors, customers, and business partners. Thank you in advance for your thoughtful input on this budget proposal. I'll now turn it over to Aviation Managing Director Lance Little to kick things off. Lance. Okay, thank you. Um, good morning again. Um, thank you, Steve. Good morning. Uh, commissioners, as Steve said, we're here to present the 2023 operated and capital uh, budget for aviation. Next slide, please. So I always like to start the budget presentation just by reminding um, everyone that the budget is not the means to an end. It fits into the context of uh, part of a bigger process of strategy budget um, process and the budget is actually part of the implementation phase of our strategy to budget process which I will uh, talk about in a little bit. So in terms of the outline for the presentation we're going to go to the budget strategy to budget process. We're going to highlight some of the strategic priorities that we have. Of course we're going to get in depth in the operating and the capital budget as well and Morgan will give us a, um, a forecast a financial forecast as well. There is also an appendix which with a lot more information that you'll ever need, but you can always uh, refer to it. Now, Morgan and I had a conversation uh, prior to this, and what we wanted to do was to make this budget presentation as productive and as meaningful as possible for the commission. So even though we have this outline, we want to be as flexible as possible, and we will try to focus on whatever areas 
you want to focus, want us to focus on. Uh, so please feel free if there's any area that you want us to get more in depth or you want to spend less time on as we go through the budget presentation, please let us know so we can have that flexibility. Morgan Anderson and Kerry Stevens is gonna join Kerry Stevens is gonna join me um, as we go through the budget presentation. Next slide, please. Uh, again, just as a reminder, just to the, the process, the budget that we are presenting, just like we do each year, is actually geared to and focused on helping the organization, not that the airport, but the port itself, to achieve the century um, agenda goals. As you will see when we go through our presentation, you'll see that all the activities that we're doing and all the resources that we're asking for is actually in alignment with the century agenda goals that the commission has established over the years, whether it's to position uh, the Puget Sound region as the premier international logistics hub or advanced region as a leading tourism destination, you'll see that all the activities that we're embarking on, most of them anyway, is actually geared toward helping the port to achieve those goals and to achieve those outcomes. Next slide. So some of you have seen this process already, So, uh, but I think it's important to just reiterate. Uh, we have established uh, five to 10 year uh, goals um, for, the, for the airport. And the budget that we ask for each year is actually, again, geared towards providing us the resources for us to achieve those outcomes. We also understand that the airport operates in, a, in an environment. We don't operate within a vacuum. And there are things in, internal um, to us that we need to leverage or that we need to overcome. And there are things external um, to our organization that we need to take advantage of or things that we need to work around and mitigate in order for us to achieve these long-term goals that we have established. And that's um, why we do at least do a SWOT analysis every um, two, to, um, two to three years. We also revise and review our SWOT analysis every year where we come up with a SWOT profile, which I'm going to talk about. We also do what we call a gap analysis. We look at where we are right now. We look at the goals that we're trying to achieve. And typically, there's a gap between those two. In order to fill those gaps, we come up with a set of activities or what we call strategies. These are the things we're going to do over the next three to five years in order to close the gap, to get us from where we are right now, to get us to the end state. That um, closing the gap in that gap analysis forms the basis for our three to five year strategy. And that's the, the strategic part of the process. Then we have the implementation part. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we actually do work. Each year we do a business plan. So in 2022, we did our 2022 business plan. In 2021, etc. And 2023 is no different. And the business plan outlined all the specific activities that we're going to get done within the next year. And that forms the basis for our budget and also forms the basis for our performance plan. So all the activities in our business plan will need equipment, it will need money, it will need people. And that's how we actually develop our budget. So the business plan is not a separate process from the budgeting. And creating the activities for our performance plan is not a separate activity from our business planning process is all tied in. So next slide please. So this is what we call our SWOT profile. If you look, if you have time to look through the appendix, you'll see a full-blown SWOT analysis with all the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We, we also understand that it's unrealistic for us to try to address every single, to take advantage of every strength or to try to overcome every weakness or leverage every um, 
opportunity that might exist out there or mitigate every threat. We just wouldn't have the time to do that in any particular year or three years. So what we have done from the SWOT analysis, we create what's called a SWOT profile, which is actually a summary of the total SWOT analysis. And what we do, we pick the top three or four um, issues that we'd like to focus on. And so some of, this is what you're looking at right now. This, uh, some of the things that you're seeing here, you probably see it three years ago, but there are some notable changes. For example, on the weaknesses, staffing challenges. If you looked at maybe three years ago, that wasn't a major weakness for us. Um, under threats, high inflation and risk of recession, which is huge for us right now. Three years ago, or back in 2019, that probably wasn't a major issue. But opportunities exist. For example, um, Alaska Airlines is now part of One World Alliance, and that's a major opportunity that we can take advantage of in terms of developing and creating new routes to new cities and new destinations. And as always, our strength, one of our major strengths is, of course, our employees. That will probably never change. That's probably our biggest strength that we have. So again, the, the, the SWAT profile that we have created um, makes us understand that we do not um, operate in a vacuum. There are things out there that can prevent us from achieving our goals, but there are also things that we can leverage in order to get to our goals, and that's why we create, we create the SWAT profile. Next slide, please. So these are the top um, 10 goals that we have. They're not in any um, order of um, priority. These are just 10 things we're, we're focusing on. As an airport CEO, my ideal situation would be to focus on maybe three or four things. However, just the nature of the airport uh, business, we have so many different businesses within the airport operation, it's very, very difficult to just come up with three. Now, these are these form the foundation for my performance plan. My directors, they do not focus on all ten of these, they'll probably focus on three or four um, of these in order to get them done. And these goals actually trickle down throughout the organization to my direct report, to their direct report, etc., throughout the organization. And so that's how we keep that line of sight. Uh, from the lowest level in the organization all the way up to our strategic plan all the way up to the century agenda. Next slide, please. Uh, this one, uh, I, I specifically asked the, the team to put this together and we might be refining this over the, the, the next few weeks or months to come. And the point I'm trying to make here is uh, at some commission meeting some time ago, we were presenting on the resources that we needed in order to do the um, uh, staffing uh, enhancements at the airport, whether it was over an international arrival facility or security checkpoints or over in ground transportation. And the question was asked about, hey, coming to us with all of these, what is the strategy? And the point of this, uh, this slide is to try to answer that question and try to put it in context. There is actually a method to the madness. It might look like it's a piece of a puzzle all over the place, but all these parts, all these pieces of the puzzle is actually geared towards us getting to the goals that you see on the right. Whether it's a five-star um, rating, 75 um, minutes minimum connect time on the international side, or 45 minutes from clock to gate, or getting to a level of service, what we call optimum, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things that we come to commission um, for approval for. They are actually well thought out. We have established these long-term goals, and these are just a few of them. And we have looked at all the activities, whether well, it's capital development side, on the operating side, accessibility, customer service. We know all of these things that we need to put together in order to get us there. And this is what this is trying to depict. 
it might seem random or haphazard, but there's actually a method to the madness, and it's a well-thought-out process to get us to try to achieve our long-term, which is our five to 10-year goals. We're now at four-star. The expectation is that we'll get to five-star in the long-term. Next slide, please. So setting the priorities for 2023, again, we start with a vision, mission, uh, that we've established through the, the century agenda. And we also have our three to five year objective. And from that, that helps us to establish the 2023 um, goals. We have three primary category, categories that we use because of course we cannot um, uh, approve every single request that comes to us. And Barton is gonna talk a little bit more down in the presentation about all the requests that we um, that we got and then the amount that we put that we approve all the LTE requests that we got and the number that we approve so we have three primary category categories that we use the system because so we have the what we call the must do or regulatory category while important goals are weeks and what we consider to be pretty important goals in the must do or regulatory category these are things that we have no choice they're either code required they're required legally or they're required by regulation. And then there are others that it might be a commission mandate. We just we have to do these things. So there's actually no debating about them. Then we have what we consider to be wildly important goals. So these are the goals, for example, if we have 20 goals that we have established. There's like five of them that are at the highest priority. We must get these done no matter what. So if for some reason we have a recession or we're running out of money or whatever the reason is that we can't get everything done, the wildly important goals are the ones that we're going to focus on and we must get them done. And then the pretty important goals are, as they say, they're pretty important goals. The objective is always to get everything done, but if we have to make a choice, if we're running out of time or resource, the wildly important ones are the ones that we'll focus on and we must get them done. Next slide, I'll just show a few examples of these. Uh, these are examples of the must regulatory. In order for us to maintain our um, certificate operating certificate at an airport we have to pass a 139 inspection so this is something that we have to do we have no choice uh, complete construction of the secured area eco checkpoint by the fourth quarter again that's regulatory we must get that done and we have a whole slew of um, environmental um, and sustainability uh, permit conditions that we must meet whether it ranges from stormwater all the way to hazardous material so these are examples of regulatory or must-do. We just really don't have a choice. We have to do this. So these are not debatable. Next slide, please. Okay. And these are just a few examples of the weights, the wildly the important goals, the ones that if we have to start making a choice, uh, these are the ones that we must get done. Reduce 5% um, reduction in major incident rate, community, also very important to us complete 15 percent of the part 150 study and of course retain the skytrax best airport designation even though this is one line there's probably about 30 or 32 items that's actually in this this uh, line item line item that we'll have to achieve in 2023 next slide please and there should be two others yes takes cash to care as i've already said we have to generate the revenues especially non-year and article revenues and we have to up also spend within our within our means. So we want to make sure we um, achieve a debt service coverage of at least 1.4. Uh, this, uh, the cash and act, month of cash and that's the target for 2023. Overall objective, Morgan might talk a little bit more about this when he comes on, is to actually get to 18 months. 
of cash on hand by 2024. I think we've targeted. This comes in very handy, especially during the last um, coronavirus event that we had because we actually had cash on and we were able to continue running the airport for a while without having to lay anyone off. And as we got um, help from the federal government, we were able to help our concessionaires, um, the airlines, all the tenants basically operating at the airport. So it's very, very important <clears throat> that we meet or exceed this objective of uh, having 15 months cash and um, cash and hand by next year, but in the future 18 months. And of course, we have a huge capital development program. Kerry's going to talk about some of the projects in the capital development program. We're going to be spending billions of dollars over the next few years. And we think it's unrealistic to expect us to meet 100% of all projects on schedule and budget. We think 75% is more than reasonable, and that's our target. Also, we want to make sure our planned expenditure will meet 75% of that as well. If we're not spending the money that we budgeted, something is wrong. Either the project is not moving or, or prime or sub contractors are not getting paid. So it's very important that we focus on these areas as well. Next slide, please. And these are the pretty important goals. I'm not going to go through all of them. Others touch um, maybe on a few. Safety again and security is always um, very, very important to us. And number five said, establish a policy and electrical system upgrade. That actually should be conduct an analysis on electrical system upgrades for the rental car facility um, that could accommodate EV chargers um, down the road. And again, back to community, within the start working group, we have a noise working group and we have a federal policy working group and we have multiple goals that we have there. Our objective in 2023 is to meet all of those goals. Next slide. Okay, so I'm going to hand over to Morgan, but just before I just want to make a, say a few points here. I'm going to hand over to Morgan at this point. So, the, we are seeing strong recovery. Um, you're going to see that in the next few slides. Morgan is going to talk about that as well. We're seeing very, very strong recovery on the passengers, both domestic and international. As a result, we're seeing very, very strong um, operating revenues as well. We're focusing heavily on non-air and agriculture. We have a huge capital. Um, development program that Kerry is going to talk about, but we're still really operating in a very fragile environment. There's a serious risk of a recession, and everything could change um, in a split second. So we took that into consideration when we're going through the budget uh, process. And the budget that we have, even though you'll see that it has increased, there's a significant increase in 2023 over 2022, at least the proposed budget, we actually presented are presenting what we consider to be a very lean um, budget. We are not into the game plan where we say, okay, we're going to ask for 50, even though we need 40, with the hope that we'll get 50. That's not how we do it. So whatever resources that we're asking for is the resources that we think we need in order to achieve and, um, the, and get the activities in our business plans for 2023 um, accomplished. So another thing I want to highlight, equity and budgeting, very important to us and you'll hear that you'll see that in a few slides that's coming up but I think the budget that also reflects um, us keeping pace with the growth that's taking place within this region but also trying to do it in a very sustainable manner so that said I'll now hand over to Gorgon and I hope you'll hear Gorgon a whole lot clearer than I am because he's in the room Gorgon okay thank you Lance <clears throat> <I'm>... sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> uh, no, this, this slide shows the shape of the recovery. And you can see that in 2022, we're already coming in a little lower than we'd budgeted. And that's because we started off the year lower, the Omicron variant hit, and the airlines had a lot of staffing issues early in the year. What we're budgeting for 2023 would be by historical standards, a high percentage growth, 8%, but in this recovery, and compared to the last couple of years, it's, it's fairly modest. But this would put us about 3% below 2019, so we'd be almost there. I'd like to pause here and say that we are carefully looking at um, the forecast at this time and uh, relying on Michael Drollinger and our business intelligence group who have done a fantastic job forecasting over the last few years. And there's a, there's a chance that we'll come back to you at first reading with a modification that would probably slice a little bit off of the growth rates for 2022 and 2023. But I'd say it's going to be close enough that the fundamental story that we're telling here today is the same, but we may have a slight decrease. Next slide, please. So Lance talked about the, the rebound in revenues, and this slide shows that. Um, and the, the, blue, the blue box at the bottom is our non-aeronautical revenues, and that's what's so key to generate our cash flows, we'll show later. And we're seeing a very strong growth there. The green bar is the uh, airline revenues, and most of, these airline, most of these revenues are cost recovery. And we have been using the federal relief grants in part to offset the costs that would otherwise go into the airline rate base. So, what we're seeing here is a very significant increase in airline costs, or for us, revenues. And that's both the new facilities that we've added, like the North Satellite and the International Arrivals Facility. We're now paying the full debt service on those facilities. And uh, the, uh, essentially the, the elimination of the federal relief grant for 2023. We have a little bit left, but it's not being used on the aeronautical side. So this is going to be good news for us but it will be uh, uh, a tough nut to swallow for the airlines. Next slide, please. And then the other factor that's, that we're facing now, which is actually similar to what we were facing last year, is a very significant capital program uh, looming in the future. And 2018 and 2019 represented all-time high for capital spending at a little under $600 million. <clears throat> we're, we're planning to exceed that in 2023 and greatly exceed that over the course of the next four years. And so Kerry Stevens will talk a lot more about the projects that are inside this, but we have some significant new mega projects that we'll be bringing on that will really drive the spending. All right, next slide, please. So what we're looking at here is the, um, what we call the waterfall of our, of our budget. And uh, the top bar is our 2022 uh, approved budget. And this is just airport costs. We'll bring in the uh, costs from other uh, divisions a little bit later. But this is really shows how we go through the budget process. <clears throat> Each year we approve a number of items that we classify as non-recurring. So at the beginning of the next year, we pull those out. So that's the green bar, it shows savings. Um, the, the biggest change though, as we look at our baseline budget, is the cost increases. And most of these are payroll increases. And you've already heard Dan and Steve talk about the investment in our, in our staff, and that's, that's showing up in these, these big dollars. Uh, we also have contractual increases uh, that are effectively 
the, uh, the staff of our contractors, their costs are going up too. So whether it's janitorial or other maintenance contracts, we're seeing a significant increase there that is very similar to what we're seeing from a payroll standpoint. So the, the message here is before one new item is really approved, we are looking at a baseline budget of almost $290 million, which would already exceed our 2022 budget. The bottom half shows the items that we'll be talking about here, the items that we're proposing to add to the budget. And those, again, are, are uh, separated between baseline costs, things that will be in our budget every year going forward, and those items that are uh, non-recurring and will come in this year, excuse me, next year, and presumably go out the following year. So what we're proposing is an airport budget of $333 million compared to the $286 million uh, of 2022, so a big increase. Next slide, please. So just um, picking up on what Lance talked about, we uh, had 210 budget requests totaling $52 million. And what we're bringing forward for your consideration is 122 of those items totaling $36 million. Uh, down below that, 60, almost 67 FTEs were proposed uh, in, our, in our division reviews, and we are moving forward for your consideration with 23 of those. So we were pretty uh, tough uh, in terms of looking at uh, new FTEs, knowing how much our budget was growing. On the right side, we've categorized these requests in the same priorities that Lance discussed, the musts, the wildly important goals, the pretty important goals, and other. Now, I have isolated airline realignment, and I'll just remind you what that is. This is the provision within our airline lease agreement that allows us to reallocate space, to optimize the use of the space. And this is the plan that we have for the opening of the International Arrivals Facility to make sure we can optimize those gates on Concourse A. United Airlines is on Concourse A. They do not have international service out of SEA. So this plan is to move them over to Concourse B and to allocate those gates on A to Delta. Sounds simple. It's actually very complicated and very expensive. Most of the costs are capital costs, and the project has been approved. But these are the elements of that uh, project that would be charged to expense. So it's kind of a, a requirement. We're gonna, you're going to see it next year as well. So uh, this is isolated separately. Um, let's go on to the next slide, please. Okay, so what we've, what we've got here is the list of the biggest items on the right and some explanations on the left. So with these items here, um, we're basically uh, covering about uh, 27, 20, 26, 27 million out of the total 36. And the very first item is airline realignment, which I've just mentioned. The other big item is the Consolidated Customer Services contract. And this was uh, brought to you earlier this year for approval. And we have an existing um, uh, budget of 4.1 million. And what we're proposing is to increase that by 4.9 million per year to bring us to a little over $9 million. And most of these costs are aimed at maintaining uh, that four-star rating. And, um, and it, most of it is actually related to the International Arrivals Facility operations. There's a lot of additional staffing support that's needed there. Related to this, but a little further down the list, is the um, uh, smart cart contract increase. And this is, again, 
having a service to recirculate those those carts so that when passengers arrive, there are carts waiting for them. And it's a fairly labor-intensive process. And this, uh, we're anticipating a new contract with SmartCart to um, to support that. The other big area that we're adding resources is planning. And this is some one of those items that's non-recurring. We do the plans, we pull the money out of the budget, and then we have new plans for the following year. So for 2023, we're looking at a number of items. Um, uh, first of all, there's a main terminal ticketing plan. There's a hard stand utilization study. There's a travel demand model for vehicle activity. And there's a parking garage um, strategic plan. There's also going to be a, a review of the electric vehicle charging program, assessing our, our needs and the infrastructure requirements, and also a, a review of the uh, property south of the airport where we have the Learning Center, uh, uh, Port Construction Services has their headquarters and the whole logistics area. So we're, again, looking to optimize that space. Um, the other, the next item would be the, uh, obviously the cost of our new staff, which I'll touch on in the next slide. And then we have ongoing costs associated with the Sustainable Airport Master Plan Environmental Review and um, some significant uh, costs associated with our capital project and other projects that happen to be expense. Then I'd like to highlight the uh, Sustainable Aviation Fuel Co-Benefits Pilot Project. And the uh, airlines um, at the airport are um, anticipating to purchase a million gallons of sustainable aviation fuels via the Boeing contract. And with this budget dollars, we would be uh, in effect purchasing some of the environmental attributes of that fuel, which would help bring the cost down and make it a little more competitive for the airline. So this is something that we're doing um, outside of the lease agreement. This is just the airport doing this um, and, and with uh, uh, airport revenue, but non-aeronautical revenue. So we're, we're pretty excited about this proposal. Um, the other thing I wanted to highlight on this list is further down, it's the Part 150 study. Lance talked about from a capital standpoint, one of our objectives is to um, move ahead and progress with the 2014 Part 150 study. And what this line item represents is initiating the next Part 150 study. So um, it takes a few years to get through that, and so this will undoubtedly be a recurring item. Next slide, please, unless there are any questions. Okay, so in the other items, I just wanted to highlight a few things. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list, but it highlights some of the initiatives we're doing in the environment and sustainability area. And down below under economic opportunity, I wanted to highlight the child care study that we're going to undertake. And we're actually going to initiate that this year to get going on it, to, have, uh, to realize progress a little sooner than we, than we were thinking. And then the anti-human trafficking training will, will uh, initiate next year as well. The other one I wanted to highlight was the construction communication or upgrade SEA. With all of the construction going on in the terminals, on the roadways, we recognize a need to communicate directly through ad campaigns and other things. So this is part of a, a major effort that will not be a one-time thing. This will be an ongoing uh, communication to let people know what's going on at the airport. And uh, finally, there's a number of items that we're looking to initiate to try to increase non-aeronautical revenues. And I've, uh, they're, they're well, listed there, and that's going to be so important. Morgan. Morgan, yes. just wanted to point out one quick thing. The anti-human trafficking training, we actually started already. Remember, we have 100,000 each year. 
So we actually started it already. We have 100,000 to spend next year as well. So it won't be initiated next year. It will be continued next year. Just want to clarify that. Thank you for the clarification. Yes. Thanks. Okay. Next slide, please. All right. There is one item that we are continuing to work on, and this is to identify some amenities for the transportation network company drivers. And this is another thing we're actually going to try to launch this study this year so we understand it better and can help uh, work with commission staff and, and, and the commission to to understand what we're trying to do here and make sure that we can bring forward a, a proposal. And depending on what we come up with, we would bring it in as a mid-year proposal next year, either to the operating budget or the capital budget or both, um, depending on what it is. So I just wanted to provide that update. Next slide, please. Okay, so what we're looking at here is a summary of all those budget requests, um, again, uh, by the, the areas of strategic focus that Lance highlighted before. And you can see that most of the new dollars are focused on customer experience. And this is where that consolidated customer service contract is, uh, among other things. We're also focusing significant dollars in the environment and sustainability area and also health and safety. So, uh, and at the bottom, asset management, capital development, and, and delivery ongoing is also very big. That's where the uh, airline realignment would be. Next slide, please. All right, these are the, uh, a summary of the FTEs, and I think as you might expect, supporting the growing capital program is, uh, is a significant focus. There'll be six FTEs there. Um, in the customer experience area, we are adding an accessibility coordinator and a volunteer coordinator. Uh, in support of the Part 150 study, there'll be uh, an additional airport noise coordinator. Uh, and then also for the, um, in support of the uh, clean building performance standards, we are adding uh, an energy manager to help uh, manage compliance there with this new regulation. And then asset management, adding resources in our maintenance department, actually a mechanic in the fire department, and other uh, specialist positions as well. And then finally, uh, catching up in a number of areas for uh, just uh, workload, uh, operational efficiency, and organizational effectiveness. Sometimes just adding the extra resource here and there is what's key to having a, a successful organization. Next slide, please. And as, by way of reconciling with the frozen positions from 2020, um, we originally froze 102 positions. And with this year's budget, we will be eliminating um, almost 48 positions, 47.7, and proposing for approval 51, only three of those this year. So I guess the story here is we have been very thoughtful as we look to bring back these FTEs. And most, um, 48 of them have been eliminated. And so we've obviously brought back more FTEs over the last couple of years, but in many cases they've been new positions. So we've been adapting to the changing environment. Next slide, please. All right, uh, some numbers. Um, what we're looking at here is uh, total airport expenses. The top half is the airport direct costs. The bottom half brings in the costs from the other divisions. And focusing you on the, the right column, you can see where we're seeing the biggest growth, it's payroll. Uh, no surprise there. Total airport direct costs going up over 14%. And when you add in airline realignment and the environmental remediation liability costs, uh, basically asbestos removal, 
uh, the total airport cost, direct costs would be up 16%. Then with the uh, central services costs, which you heard presented uh, a couple weeks ago, coming in at almost 15%, the total airport costs are going up uh, almost 16%. So big, big cost increase. Next slide, please. And now we, we, we tie those uh, expenses to the revenues and we look at the, 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 the total results. So again, the strong revenue growth, we're going to exceed 800 million in revenues, uh, up 27%. And the cost going up almost 16%. Uh, and uh, strong net operating income, we're showing here the, the, the use of the federal relief dollars um, and how for 2023 we expect to have about $10 million left. Um, but we are, we've done a good job of weathering the, uh, uh, the storm, so to speak, with this pandemic, and we're, we're coming out of it in good shape. Um, Lance talked a little bit about the, the, the importance of cash balance, and you can see how we've strategically been increasing our, the level of our cash, as well as what we, the measure we use, which is the months of our operating and maintenance costs. So for next year, we'd be up to 15 months. The line out above that is debt service coverage. That's a critical measure of our ability to, to pay our debt. And it is declining as expected, but it's still very strong. Um, let's go on to the next slide, please. This shows the, the recovery of some of our non-aeronautical businesses. Um, in the red at the top is, is public parking, which has really been our, our strongest uh, uh, business unit, um, ground transportation, uh, rental car, um, uh, airport dining and retail, or ADR. Uh, the clubs and lounges have been lagging a little bit, but it's coming back this year. Um, but overall, you can see the black line is passengers, so most of our businesses are above that, meaning growing more than um, the passenger level. Next slide, please. And this summarizes uh, in dollars some of our non-aeronautical businesses with public parking at the top, and you can see that we are anticipating to see over $100 million in revenue from public parking. Uh, rental cars uh, slightly down from our forecast this year, and that's just because the, the most of our revenue is from the concession fee, and because of the limited supply of rental car companies, they've actually been able to charge some pretty high rates, and we get a concession fee on that. So there is a volume increase, it's just that our revenues would be down slightly. And a good, good recovery of ground transportation, uh, airport dining and retail will benefit from having all the units in the, the North Satellite open for a full year, having the Salty's restaurant and the main terminal open. Uh, so we'll have some uh, exciting opportunities there for our customers and for us, the, the revenue upside. Um, overall, coming down to the, the bottom, bottom line, um, we are increasing our, our, uh, our cash flow, which is key. Uh, we're now anticipating to be above the 2019 level for 2023, which is really, really important. So good, good recovery here. Next slide, please. On the aeronautical side, um, you know, as I said before, it's a, it's a 110 million revenue increase, which is a cost increase for the airlines. And so when we talk to them, and we'll be showing them this slide as well, They'll see up top that the, the O&M costs are up 47 million, but uh, we're no longer offsetting any of those costs with federal relief grants. So the net costs are actually up almost 60 million. A similar story on, on debt service. Um, the, uh, the gross debt service or debt service before offsets is 
relatively flat, but what we're seeing the, the biggest increase is that we don't have the federal relief dollars to offset debt service. So significant increase in debt service, O&M costs. So this is the, as, as we said before, the, the day of reckoning with the airlines when the federal relief goes away, we have to pay for the full costs of the, of the facilities and those will be charged to the airlines through rates and charges. Let's go to the next slide, please. And this shows what happens at, uh, at the business unit level uh, and these revenues uh, are, are net of the federal relief grants for the prior years, which is why the growth rates are so high. So you see um, significant growth rates off to the right for airfield movement area, which is where we charge landing fees, the, the apron area and the terminal rents, and in particular, the Federal Inspection Services. This is the inter new international arrivals facility, the debt service, uh, the additional operating costs. We are still using significant portion of PFCs to offset those costs, but they are rising significantly. Um, so bottom line, uh, a significant increase in aeronautical revenues and costs. Next slide, please. So I wanted to touch on uh, some of the uncertainties, and we've, we've mentioned the high inflation risk of recession uh, multiple times, but that is out there and it is real. Uh, the airline recovery, uh, there has to still be uncertainty there. Uh, there appears to be strong demand, um, but the risk of recession, higher interest rates could have an impact on demand as well. So we present it as if it's a, a fixed number and we will achieve those growth rates, but I just want to remind you all that there's quite a bit of uncertainty. Our budget itself, just from a, the way we go about it, we incorporate a lot of tools that are really budgetary tools to manage our overall costs. And one of them is a payroll vacancy rate. So 5% of our payroll costs are excluded from the budget because we assume we'll always have a certain number of vacancies. Um, the other thing we, we always plan for and are always ready for is snow events, but we typically don't budget for the extra costs we would incur for major snow events. So every year we will always meet the needs of the airport, but it's a budgeting tool that we uh, exclude those. Same thing with potential new air service incentives. Uh, we have a pretty strong record of bringing in uh, new customers each year, but we don't budget as if we do. We budget for the known commitments. Customs and Border Patrol reimbursable services, you know, that's something if we need it, we will find some savings during the year to be able to support that. And another item is the, uh, uh, the PFAS or the, uh, the, the chemicals used to, in the, the firefighting foam. There's some pending regulations there. If they go through next year, we will likely incur some additional costs, but we have not budgeted for those. But rest assured, we would comply with the rules if they are going to effect. <clears throat> next slide, please. So this is the visual view of the federal relief and you can see how extensively we've used the three federal relief programs over the last three years. And we have about $10 million left. And so like last year, as we get towards the end of the year and we're looking at our costs and we are looking at where we are with achieving some of our key objectives, it's possible that we would slide some money into 2023 to give us more flexibility if we feel that's allowable. Okay, <clears throat> the next slide is a, a lot of numbers, but I really want to focus on the very bottom, bottom line. This is the debt service coverage that I talked about early. You know, it's still by historical standards very strong at 1.91 for 2023, but it is a drop. 
And the way the calculation for the airport works, um, the federal relief grants that we use to pay debt service really uh, jacks up the debt service coverage. So that's going away, and uh, we will see that when you see the forecast debt service coverage will be going down in future years. Next slide, please. So now I'd like to touch on a, f a few of the uh, items that we came up with in terms of equity and budgeting. Uh, like, like the other uh, divisions, every department at the airport uh, went through a process to um, uh, assess equity and budgeting, and we've come up with this as a, I'll say, a brief summary of many, many uh, department uh, input. And there will be a more uh, uh, comprehensive summary of this that will come to you via the, um, the change team. <clears throat> but first of all, at the airport, as you've seen before, we are very good at spending money, and we spend a lot of it. And uh, most of our, or our biggest cost is payroll. So it's no surprise that when we look at um, how we are applying equity, diversity, and inclusion, that the hiring process is, is foremost, because that's how we bring new people into the organization. And Training is key. That's how we, we, we supplement our stuff. You're going to see that coming through multiple times. And then how we spend money on contracted services looking and purchases, looking at uh, how we can uh, enhance WIMBY uh, spending. That's a big part of our, um, our response here. Then the other thing, the, the travel and training, um, it, it comes up as an equity really more for staff looking at who is taking advantage of those training dollars within various departments and making sure that it really is spread out in an equitable way. And that came through from multiple departments. Next slide, please. So in terms of the um, areas where, where money has been redirected, so at the top of the list was the training budgets. And in some cases, departments really have rethought how they uh, distribute that money. I think in many departments, you could look at the, the higher level staff is doing, having historically done a lot of the travel and training and participating in seminars. And we're trying, I think many departments are trying to spread that out more equitably. And certainly, you know, passenger service uh, at the airport, um, looking to enhance equity there through translation services and the, the spot saver program. It's, it's free. Everyone, anyone can use it. You don't have to be a, an elite traveler to get special treatment. Um, then you can th see things like the art program and again the, uh, the focus on, on hiring and development um, as well. Next slide, please. Okay. Um, <clears throat> other areas that um, uh, Let's see, so this, um, again, customer service uh, stands out in terms of how we treat people every day as they come through the airport. Um, again, the, the airport's role with WIMBY um, and DBE and, and small business enterprise goals and the art program too. Next slide, please. Okay, you know, you can see we're, we're pretty consistent with the, the themes that come up. Hiring, training um, <clears throat> are, are key. And, um, and I think specifically more development opportunities and more EDI training. Um, and so we'll undoubtedly see more of that next year. Next slide, please. And then, um, you know, some of the areas where we have um, the outward focus of, of, of equity, you can see through particularly the, the ADR program and the impact that has um, uh, with, through the airport concessions, 
uh, disabled business enterprise. We've, we've done, historically had some very high goals, over 20%, and obviously what's listed here is a new contract at, at 40%. Next slide, please. Okay, unless there are questions, I'm gonna turn this over to Carrie Stevens at this point. I think Talk about our capital program. Take some time to do questions and then okay. go to the next one. Uh, first of all, can, uh, can everybody in the room hear me? Yeah, one sec. We're gonna take a couple of questions from commissioners. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, we can, I can hear you. Great, okay. All right, uh, any commissioner questions for Borgen? I do wanna say one thing, Borgen. Thank you for 30 years of service. I, oh. <laughs> I, I, uh, I learned that, I think it was in August that you completed 30 years. So uh, amazing, and thank you for your thank continued you. public service. Any, any questions from commissioners? I'm also okay with holding questions to the end. Great, okay. Any, anything urgent on this one? It's going to be a lot of, yes, a lot a lot of, of time sure. before. You don't have to say a couple questions to Yeah, questions. let's go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Omni. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for this presentation. Um, I really appreciate all the hard work that the aviation team is doing from Lance to folks who are working in the budgeting office. I know uh, you guys' operations is one that is extremely hard and you all do such a, an amazing job on behalf of our uh, community. Um, and again, congratulations on the recognition for the best airport. Um, that said, I have a couple of questions. Maybe I can start with um, slide 14. So um, with slide 14, you talked about just the passenger recovery forecast. And um, I'm just wondering, with uh, the forecast looking better and going up and considering some of the labor shortage issues that we are seeing in the workforce, is there dollars that are being accounted for or, or in partnership with the airlines to address some of these like increases as we see more labor shortage at the airport and then the passenger numbers going up? Well, if by that do you mean, uh, you know, we still have a big investment that goes to the airport employment center, and that's one of the things that both airlines and other tenants at the airport use to help them in their hiring process. So uh, that money is, is still in the budget. Okay, great. That is helpful. And then the other question that I had was um, on page 31 regarding snow event budgets. Again, I'm, I'm thinking about our workforce and considering um, the changes that we are seeing. When you guys are budgeting for snow events, is that, do you guys have certain funds that you're thinking about in partnership with the airlines? Because I know that is a, a constant uh, struggle with the airlines doing their operations with addressing snowing, snow issues and then um, our own airport operations. So <clears throat> when, when the, the costs that we, we budget for are basically snow removal costs. And you know, you might ask, well, why don't we budget for those directly? And over time, you know, we've kind of viewed it as a contingency fund. And if you have snow events, obviously you need to spend the money. But as I said earlier, we always plan for those snow events. We are always ready and we will always spend what it takes to, to, to address the snow event. Um, but we have found over time that we are typically able to find savings in other areas of our budget to be able to accommodate that. 
Now the airlines have their own challenges in, in, in managing snow. And so it's, um, you know, there is a lot of coordination. Um, I think I would probably want to put you in touch with uh, our operations team that works closely with them if you wanted more information about how we coordinate with the airlines on snow events. Or maybe Lance can, can weigh in. Yeah, we do. And I don't know if Laurel is on the call, but yes, we do a lot of coordination um, with the airlines um, and plan for the eventuality that we may or may not have um, a snow event. It does not impact the budget process that we are, whether we use contingency uh, if we have a snow event or whether we budget a line item for it, we still do the coordination and the planning with internally and with our stakeholders at the airport nonetheless. Great. And then, um, thank you, Lance. That's uh, Director Little. I appreciate that answer. I just thought I was asking that question in light of the changes that are happening and us thinking innovatively about that, considering mm -hmm. the, the sort of challenges that we're seeing with um, the increase of passengers and what we can expect. Um, but I do appreciate that answer. Yeah, Commissioner, um, just to clarify, you were talking about there's different responsibilities, right, for the for the for aviation, for the airport, and then for the the, the uh, carriers. And so, I guess that's your point. Just to clarify, that's what you're looking at, right, and how that coordination goes together with increased passengers in the impacts of an event. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then I think it's it would be helpful for just the public to hear. Um, there's. Uh, when you guys are working on construction projects um, there in an active airport, I imagine um, there are obviously higher expenses that you see on the airport side than you would see on the maritime side. Um, maybe if you could explain the, um, the other factors that are included there, whether that is like FAA regulations that you guys are considering, um, but what other factors uh, impact the uh, high cost of the construction that are happening with airport projects or capital well, projects tell you what I'll start and then either Carrie or Lance can jump in but one of the things you have at an airport is a very finite footprint uh, we are a relatively small airport compared to the other large hubs in the country and when we're doing major construction here we're also construct doing construction on a facility that's effectively open 24 7 and yes, there's a, there's a slight, uh, there's a big reduction in traffic overnight, but that doesn't leave many hours of, uh, of uncomplicated construction. Um, the other factor is that much of the work is done uh, behind security. So there, there's a whole layer of security that's imposed upon all the contractors doing business at the airport. And, you know, it just, it's, it's a very complex environment and to stage uh, in a confined space with all these additional regulations and with lots of passengers, there's just a lot of mitigation. You know, it's, it's a, a challenging environment uh, to build anything. And I'll, I'll let Carrie or Lance. Uh, right, yeah, uh, let, me, let me jump in here and then hand over to Carrie to maybe add, add some more. So in addition to what Borgen said, because of the rules and regulations of the airport, there's typically the traditional additional costs associated with doing construction of the airport, whether that's to go through the badging process, to do background checks, et cetera, that add to the cost. But in addition, since the pandemic, we now have even um, uh, additional factors that we have to consider. Supply chain, um, for example, the time it takes to source things coming into um, the, the, the airport right now, uh, that adds to the cost because it, add, it actually adds to the, the schedule. And then of course there's labor costs 
right, because of the, the, the um, lack of, of labor resources that are available. So there's additional cost um, associated there. And then there's inflation. So we did some budgeting for certain projects maybe two years ago that has totally changed um, since the pandemic. So inflation is another um, major factor as well. And Terry, if you want to add, add yeah, to that also. So, so I, I guess you guys have covered most of it. Um, the other thing that I would say is, you know, sort of with the demand levels in the airport, uh, we've lost that ability to have that empty chair uh, so that we're able to move operations around and do construction. Uh, we've, we now have to be more sort of in the middle of, of operations. So that, that kind of shrinks the amount of space that you have to do some of the construction. It also uh, creates uh, remobilizations that we have to do. Uh, as Lance said, the labor premiums for working off hours for a lot of the time to, to keep out of, uh, you know, operational impacts. And then, you know, just additional phasing, uh, lengthening times will actually, you know, extend our uh, general conditions. So a lot of things that will start to add up and, uh, and cost us more. That's really helpful. I think that's important for the for the public, especially considering how expensive those construction projects are. And sometimes we don't realize that there's FAA regulations, there are budgeting requirements. And so I just I appreciate you guys uh, sharing that information. The last thing I'll say is um, I also appreciate the uh, thoughtfulness that has gone into the budget. Um, equity considerations that is included in this. And I know that you've, you've said there are more information that will come to the commission. Um, I also just would like to say I am thinking, um, and I know other commissioners are thinking about this, exploring the possibility of a policy or commission order around setting aside um, funds for equity initiatives on both the aviation and maritime side, whether that is a 1% or 2% um, uh, fund similar to the way that we see in art uh, um, fundings that are set aside. And I know that there's already a lot of great work that's happening. I appreciate the, um, the add-on position for the airport noise coordinator. I imagine that will be, that person will be doing a lot of work with the sound installation program and the 150 study. And so um, there's a lot of those investments already being made and being able to capture that and communicate that to the public to me is really important. And so being even more intentional about that um, is something that I would like to see happen in the future. That concludes my questions and comments. Commissioner Hasegawa. Test. Okay. Uh, thank you. That was an exciting presentation. So, wigs and pigs. Is that new? Was well, I, actually, we, we've had that in our budget for a few years, but uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I appreciate it because, um, you know, it really lays out in a way this piece of your presentation about how staff and the Port of Seattle is thinking about their priorities. And so I really look forward to later on in the presentation, I think it begins at page 76 about exactly what some of those asks are and how they relate to these different pockets. Um, I also just want to express my enthusiasm and appreciation for the incorporation of $100,000 um, into doing a childcare study at, um, at or near SeaTac Airport. I think it's one really important step towards supporting an ecosystem um, that allows for workers to be able 
to feel like they can be at and retain their employment um, at SeaTac Airport. So I just really want to lift that up and say thank you, and that's so exciting. Um, I am wondering, I, I've in my conversations with staff, I know that it's in the works. We're looking for um, ways that we can make sure that menstruation products are free to employees and members of the public who are at port facilities. Um, I know that this ask extends beyond SeaTac Airport and airport operations exclusively, but I'm wondering, you know, since SeaTac is one of the harder nuts to crack, uh, where in this budget funds towards those efforts live? Good question. Lance, do you have any insights? That's the, which one is that? The, Menstruation not products. The, Oh, I think, I don't know if Don is online, because I think Don was working with the commission office to actually do an analysis. And I'm not sure where that's captured in terms of a line item within the budget. Okay. I, I may have, if Don is not online, Commissioner, I'll have to get back to you on that one. That's okay. I'm I see a hand. That it's I see a now. hand up. I see a hand up. I'm not sure whose it is. It's Tony. Tony might have the answer. Sorry. Yeah, that is with me, Commissioner. Uh, yes, so Tony Van, Deputy Chief of Staff. As mentioned in the Commission budget responses that we sent out, uh, we currently are uh, about to initiate the acquisition planning process. We're unable to put a line item without knowing how much it's going to actually cost. So once we get that process underway uh, with CPO and understand just which facilities we want to target for a phased approach, uh, we'll begin to incorporate that into our planning. So work is still underway for that, but Steve has made it clear that this is something that we will work on and try to find a solution for. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm also pleased to see $100,000 towards continued anti-trafficking training. I know that a lot of that training is in the context of um, sexual exploitation and sex trafficking, including of minors. Um, I'd like to acknowledge that there are multiple kinds of trafficking, including drug trafficking, arm trafficking, and the exploitation of human labor, which we termed as labor trafficking. Uh, the Port of Seattle Drug Interdiction Unit has a forfeiture fund, and this is a really special pot of money because it's supposed to go towards combating drugs specifically, and this has um, funds to the tune of $4 million. And the Port of Seattle Police um, do the good work of intercepting drugs and guns every single day. And I really do believe that the highest use of this fund is reinvesting that money um, seized from illegal operations um, back directly into combating those underground economies. And so I've asked staff to get creative on how we can really make sure that we are pushing the limits of this fund um, so that we are uh, using these underground economies own arsenal against them and um, and again that would go directly back into the Port of Seattle police um, operations that are doing this good work every single day um, so I, I I just wanted to ask um, the executive director if how they're thinking about these efforts or the use of this fund in your conversations well I know Commissioner that just came up um, you know, in our in our conversations to look at that, and I know uh, talking with legal, we're doing that analysis to look at that. As you said, to say how how do we how how do we use it to do the, the purposes that they're authorized for, but exploring um, what else you could do with those funds. So 
Thank you very much, Executive Director Metric. And I'd just like to add that, um, you know, it could mean uh, going to the federal government and asking for some sort of a change on that level that increases flexibility for use. Um, or, um, uh, you know, one of the uh, identified potential purposes could be for training. And so as we have $100,000 here towards an existing training for port employees, I do wonder if we could expand that to include um, training for our officers or Port of Seattle personnel on guns and arms trafficking. Um, or perhaps it could be used towards a study to be able to measure or identify the incidence of trafficking at the Port of Seattle. Uh, my last question is around community benefit and greening the port can mean a lot of things, whether it's hardening our electrical grid or updating our equipment, building green buildings, transitioning towards SAFs, or um, even community noise mitigation. Um, I will hold any questions at this point, but I'm interested to know how this budget is demonstrating our efforts towards um, community beautifi beautification, um, as supporting um, a thriving tr uh, tree canopy at port properties, um, or even restoration of creeks or um, other um, mitigation remediation efforts. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Feldman. And before we just before we move on, just two quick points, um, Commissioner has to go on to make. I'm not sure if you heard it, but Bargan had mentioned that we're actually accelerating the child care. Um, study. We're actually going to start it this year. We have money available this year. So we're accelerating it. We're going to start it this year. On um, the human trafficking, we're struggling a little bit in terms of getting the, 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 um, the outcomes that we want. For the port employees, we have made good strides. For the rest of the airport, we're struggling a little bit. So we're trying to come up with some creative innovative way to get more and more people trained, more and more people in the program. And Jim McCarthy is leading that on our behalf. We may at some point come back to the commissioner, come back to Steve to maybe try to get some policies changed because sometimes we have the money to do stuff, but there are other things that restrict us um, from doing it. And we really want to get extremely creative in trying to meet the goals that were established um, for human anti-human trafficking. I think that my last question, so sorry, excuse me, is just around, I appreciate your um, demonstrating the use of federal relief funds. Um, I would love to, uh, some sort of a glimpse into how we are incorporating IIJA or IRA funds or our strategy, how that factors into this budgeting process. Okay, go ahead, Commissioner Fellman. Thank you. Um, I, I don't need like extensive answers. I just want to run through a couple of things that. Uh, tracking backwards from what my colleagues just uh, brought up. Regarding human trafficking, there, there's a brand new office uh, or Center for uh, Forensic Science at the UW, and uh, looking at wildlife trafficking, and we just put up the signage over at Sea um, Concourse to uh, elevate the public about what not to buy and things like that. But it is all sorts of good evidence that the same cartels that traffic in wildlife trafficking people, trafficking drugs, trafficking guns. And um, there's, you know, so the forensic work that's being done on one is helping with the other. So to the degree these funds or just a collaboration with the UW might be great. Also, our, our former port commissioner, you know, Courtney Gregoire, that's her job, or it used to be, at Microsoft. And so Microsoft has a large program there that would be, I think, a, a collaborative opportunity that we could, with two major centers of excellence, that we could potentially advance that. And, identify what would be the best role for the port in that regard. 
accessing those funds sounds like it's a potentially a policy question, but what we do with the funds would be then the next question. Uh, regarding all the equity training and things like that, we talked about redistributing funds. Is there new money associated with that, or are we prioritizing who gets to get the training? Um, so one of the things that I think you may remember Dan had mentioned last time is that every department at the, at the port had their travel and training budgets um, brought up to 100% of, of, of the 2020 budget, whereas last year they were at 29, at 75%. So there is a significant increase in the travel and training budgets throughout the organization. I think the uh, portion of those that are used for equity training and how much is done separately within departments versus done centrally, I think is still an open discussion. But there are, there are more resources. Well, that's great. So that's part of the recovery. Yes, yes. And part of that is the through the central services is that uh, equity training is coming. Matter of fact, it's uh, the next, I know <coughs> I'm going to some on Thursday. It's right. a session and on I Thursday. still have to so that's finish a, mine before I take off. So um, I saw there was a, a line item of 5.9% increase in the maritime economic development budget for aviation. Was I, help me, is that for like cruise? Well, so that is, um, you asked earlier about the employment center, and I believe that's where the budget for that is. It's managed outside of the airport, but it is charged to the airport. Okay, thank you. I had the, I had the pleasure of just getting a tour of the Climate Pledge Arena and understanding the sustainability programs that the Kraken have embarked upon. And one of the very exciting things they, they have done is uh, your ticket is your transit ticket. So when you buy your mm -hmm. ticket, you actually get to go on the light rail. And so when I see, um, well, you know, we have our, uh, you know, our, our greenhouse gas reduction goals. Um, I understand the Kraken, you know, subsidizes that, but it seems like a partnership with the airlines potentially when you buy your ticket and they get, you know, two days before you travel or go to your Kraken game, they go no before you go. And this take your ticket because Thing we continue to talk about is increasing light rail utilization and also to keep track of how light rail <coughs> is being utilized and one of the things we did to uh, increase the facilitation of that was the electric tr electric uh, go-karts golf carts mm -hmm. and I must say they're quite elegant golf carts I mean with mag wheels and and candy apple red paint jobs I think they're quite appealing I, I don't know in terms of how much their frequency of use is changing or what we might be able to do to further incentivize like those, you know, know before you go sort of things. And then uh, finally, uh, I was very encouraged to see this innovative idea that we would be buying a million gallons of SAF. There's all sorts of programs coming out of the federal government and obviously with Climate Commitment Act and, and uh, clean fuel standards in Washington, there could be chances for us to uh, potentially, you know, leverage that money. Um, but one of the things that I uh, was, you know, we talked about getting port credits for this, which would be like part of our buying down our greenhouse gas emission goals, I would assume. Um, I, I also just see that things like uh, increasing light rail service and um, using our responsible traveler program, and I keep on getting the name wrong, I think, uh, to basically maybe that could be used to offset some of our SAF uh, purchasing and getting back to the question I keep on wanting to raise and for future discussion is how much we could use that 
dedicated responsible traveler program funding to do things that are local, right? To the more and more that we could buy trees, if we're gonna buy trees, buy it in those communities that are, it's a national program, it has some flexibility about where those acquisitions are to the degree we can direct those resources. And again, if we're buying SAF to just kickstart the program, let's see how that could be. I mean, I'm sure it's being enumerated towards our goals, but it could also be the costs that would be shared. Okay. So I think that's uh, plenty to run through for this period. Commissioner Cho, do you have any questions? Um, no, I actually just want to, um, I think Commissioner Hazakawa mentioned IJA and IRA. I was going to actually also ask that perhaps the team can get back to us on what and what pools of funding we are eligible for, um, knowing that we're not guaranteed to receive uh, the money, but it would be helpful for us to know at least what we as port, uh, both on the aviation and maritime side, quite frankly, uh, what we expect to be able to, to go for and um, how much we're eligible for. Okay. I also I also wanted to make a comment regards to human traffic the human trafficking um, budgeting. Uh, as you know, those of you who are around uh, could recall the human budgeting line item was something that I asked for for the last two years. Uh, but quite frankly, I have not seen a lot of movement. And as far as taking our human trafficking program further, I think. I've been pretty clear about what I want to see in terms of us creating some sort of a, a program that incentivizes uh, our tenants to also partake in the training. Uh, but I have not seen much activity on that. And I think part of our uh, lack of movement on that is that it's simply that we have not yet designated anyone to, uh, or as far as I know, no one has really taken ownership of it to run with it. And so perhaps we need to discuss you know, and I know I've had conversations with Steve and that's about this, but uh, who, who takes ownership of it? Because this initiative has always been kind of a uh, a port employee taking this on because they're passionate about it outside their normal nine to five. And I think if we're going to be serious about human trafficking here at the port and take it to the next level, we need someone who really takes ownership of it. So I'll stop there. And, and I know that we talked yeah. about this in our committee. Uh, and so we can take it to our communities as well. But if I could just do a quick response, um, uh, Commissioner. So we have assigned someone, Jamie Carter, who is probably texting me as Julie texted you. So Jamie um, is actually taking the lead, um, she has taken the lead on it. There's lots of initiative that she has undertaken. In fact, we're, we're not only doing a SCA approach, we're actually doing an industry um, approach. So we're coordinating with other airports um, as well. And one of the things I think we'll probably owe you and the rest of the commission an update. As I said, on the port side, we have made lots of stride in terms of getting our people to be trained and to be a part of the program. We're, we're really struggling a little bit with the, um, with the rest of the, the, the airport community. And that's the area that I say we probably have to get a lot more creative and a lot more innovative. We have money allocated, but sometimes it's not just money that's preventing us um, from achieving certain things. Sometimes it's policies, et cetera, that we, we may have to look at trying to get changed so we can achieve some of the outcomes. In fact, the, the, the outcomes that you had established is what we're using as our cornerstone to actually try to get, to help us actually in order to structure how we, um, how we try to move forward and to achieve and, um, the, the, the objectives that you had outlined. So 
There's lots of work being done. We have not had the successes that we would have liked to see. We're not moving as fast, but we actually have someone that's assigned to it. And there's a lot of work we're doing. And I think we probably owe you a briefing and you'll feel a little bit more comfortable once we have briefed you on what we have done so far. Awesome. Great. I love, I, I love that. That's uh, yeah. We'd love to get a briefing on it. Thanks, Lance. Okay, I'm going to hold my questions until we've completed the remainder of the presentation. So, Morgan, I'll turn it back over to you. Okay, I think we were ready to start the capital update, and so I will turn it over to Carrie Stevens. Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, so, I'm Carrie Stevens. Uh, you might not have seen me around too much for the last couple of years. I've, uh, I've provided this uh, portion of the budget update uh, as the senior manager of uh, capital programs. Uh, you can kind of think of capital programs as the development arm uh, of the capital plan, uh, where PMG is the implementation or delivery arm of the capital plan. Anyways, this year, uh, I get to do this presentation as the director of facilities and capital programs. So uh, right off the bat, you can see uh, from this five-year cash flow that we have a significant mountain to climb uh, in the next five years. Uh, you can also see uh, what we call mega projects. These are projects uh, with budgets over 300 million. These projects make up significant portion of our overall uh, cash flows. In the past, we had three mega projects, IAF, North Star, and uh, baggage optimization. Uh, with IAF and North Star in closeout, we still have baggage optimization, but we also have four new megas, uh, Concourse C expansion, uh, the Seattle Gateway are also known as uh, North Main Terminal. Uh, the SoCo Evo uh, program, which is uh, the, the South Satellite uh, Renewal. And then uh, the Main Terminal Renovation, uh, also, also known as Main Terminal Improvement Program. So very important, um, that little blurb uh, at the bottom, uh, these cash flows do not, of course, include any SAMP uh, near-term projects other than the planning work that is uh, depicted in SLOA. Next slide, please. So this slide breaks down the capital plan into some of its buckets. Um, as you can see, MEGA takes up a lion's share um, with regulatory renewal replacement and business need taking uh, close to equal shares. So regulatory, uh, these are our projects driven by state laws, uh, FAA requirements, TSA requirements, permitting agency and, and code. You know, an example of this would be sort of our industrial waste uh, treatment plant project, uh, which is driven by our King County permit. Uh, these are our must-do projects. Uh, renewal replacement are our projects driven by equipment, system, asset age, and, uh, and condition. Uh, examples uh, for this one are basically our, our main terminal low voltage uh, project. And uh, another one would be our, our PLB work that we do uh, over, over time. Um, these are our need to do projects. Uh, R&R projects will always have to happen. Um, the real answer, the real question I think is, is, uh, is when do they have to happen? Uh, and then the business need projects are our should do projects. These are projects that uh, they don't keep the doors open, but they are smart business to do. Uh, a lot of our non-aero revenue projects are carried here, uh, and an example would be um, our EV charging projects. Are example of a business need uh, project, and and of course, you know, our mega projects typically have a little bit of every bucket um, in them. 
So one item of note here, um, our number of projects is coming down in number. Uh, we're showing 174. Uh, last year at this time, we were around 180 or, or actually you know, closer to 190. Um, so you know, some of the work that we are doing, um, I'll, I'll try to explain in a little bit of later slides, describes how we are bringing this number down. So next slide, please. So these next couple of slides uh, are going to give you updates on some of our major capital projects uh, in the current plan. Uh, our concourse C expansion project construction has started with some of the early work packages, structural and site work. Uh, some of the amenities of this expansion include interfaith prayer room, uh, nursing mother suite, sensory room, and a public lookout for traveling public and employees. So this is going to be similar, uh, similar to a lookout that the club is offering, uh, but it will be free of charge. Um, we we also have uh, included an employee break room and food donation location. Um, also, we have uh, solar solar our uh, uh, photovoltaic roof, um, and we are planning for an all electric facility without the use of natural gas. Next slide, please. So our Seattle Gateway, um, or as I said, the North Main Terminal uh, project, we are ready to start demolition uh, in the phase A work, um, which is the promenade level. Uh, tied to this work is the new ADA compliant entrances uh, on the bag claim level. Um, currently, we're expecting completion uh, uh, in 2026. Uh, next slide, please. Concourse A Lounge expansion. Uh, this, this building will house the new uh, Delta Club uh, as well as expansion of our club at SEA. Uh, we, have uh, we have completed design and are just about ready to initiate uh, construction. Some of the sustainability items of note here are triple glazed uh, electrochromatic smart glass and no natural gas uh, appliances. And for this one, we are anticipating completion in uh, 2024. Next slide, please. South Concourse Evolution. So you uh, you all just received the uh, briefing on this project, the last meeting, um, and we're going to have an authorization request at the next meeting. Um, on the sustainability side, uh, we have a goal of lead gold uh, and a minimum of lead silver. Uh, we are looking at reduction in solar heat gain for the facility, uh, energy, energy use reductions, uh, rainwater uh, capture and reuse. We're also looking at additional waste streams uh, by enlarging our loading dock areas. Uh, we have a food donation program for this facility. And, and finally, we have around 70 EGSE parking positions included, as well as several EV parking stalls. Uh, some other amenities, uh, we're going to have a nursing suite, we're going to have children's play area, we're going to have sensory rooms uh, or a sensory room uh, included in, in, this, uh, in this program. Next slide, please. So the concourse A duty-free. So this is a more immersive duty-free experience um, that uh, spans across the A concourse near the exit to, uh, to IAF. Uh, we just completed the PDD and the plan is to utilize a uh, tenant reimbursement agreement with a duty-free vendor to uh, build out the space, uh, including infrastructure and base building requirements. The, uh, the center island in this 
project um, uh, between the two circulation flows is slated to be uh, all small business. And we actually have an industry day uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks for this project. Next slide, please. So main terminal improvements. This program initiated with the need for sprinklers and smoke control in the main terminal. Uh, that was and still is the backbone of this program. Uh, along with it, we have substantial upgrades uh, to our emergency power uh, with more generators and, and new feeds. Uh, we'll also be providing new ceiling, uh, new lighting fixtures, new signage, program includes restroom renovations, mezzanine security upgrades, uh, bay claim device renewal and placement. We're about halfway through this PDD uh, and still need further design definition um, from the Seattle Gateway project since we'll be uh, expanding and extending a lot of what that project does to the south end of the terminal. Next slide, please. So concourse HVAC infrastructure renewal replacement program. So this is affectionately known as CHIRP. Um, you can kind of think of an old HVAC systems uh, where you can hear it chirping as you're uh, trying to do your work. Uh, these systems on concourse B, C, and D haven't been touched in about 30 years. Uh, we are failing to meet the demands for our restrooms, ADR, and, and just general population uh, in the concourses. This is a ceiling up approach that will also uh, renew our ceiling, lighting, signage, and address smoke control. Uh, so we just hired a PM for this work and are planning on launching uh, on the PDD in uh, 2023. So you'll be hearing more about this one. Uh, next slide, please. So last but definitely not least is our noise program. Uh, so for the for the single family homes, we've been performing about 10 to 15 uh, homes a year. Uh, for condominiums, we plan to uh, have the 28 unit uh, via Enzian uh, complete the uh, first quarter of 2023. And for apartments, we have a phase one bid uh, opening, which will start work uh, on five buildings or at 215 units. Um, and then our places of worship, we have uh, confirmed four eligible and we'll start design in 2023. Right now, all work is on schedule and expected to be complete in 2026. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, so that was our existing capital plan or some of our major projects inside of our existing capital plan. Just wanna spend some time now talking about what we've proposed for this, for going forward. So next slide, please. So, this slide shows a total of 515 million uh, in the cost estimate. Um, it, but actually the new budget in the capital plan is 441 million. Um, this year we made a concerted effort to bundle and program work together uh, to not only lessen our resource workload, but to gain efficiencies in our processes and most likely uh, savings in our soft costs. In some cases, we, uh, we bundled work with existing work that's in the capital plan, and that's why you're seeing sort of the higher number right now, but actually what we, what we included in the capital plan or what the capital plan increased by is uh, $441 million. Um, So that's why we're seeing, that's why I'm kind of discussing the difference um, which, with what you actually see and what's actually added in the capital plan. Um, so I'm going to go through some of these projects in more detail 
in later slides. Um, but about half of this year's proposal, proposal is made up of uh, airfield infrastructure work. Uh, FAA requires certain meter readings uh, on our airfield circuitry. As circuitry uh, falls below certain parameters, it is required to be replaced. Uh, our circuitry is starting to degrade faster than uh, maintenance can actually replace it. And uh, we plan to, uh, to sequence this work with our AIP uh, pavement work and our AutoFOD and LED lighting upgrade that we have on the runways. Um, another one of the examples here is the cargo facilities. These are buildings that were built and maintained by uh, someone else, uh, but more recently have reverted to our ownership. Uh, of course, all life has been sucked out of them uh, in the, over the last 30 years, and they are now in significant decline. Um, as the owner now, we, we need to rehabilitate these facilities under today's uh, standards and energy requirements. And just a couple other projects that I want to highlight here, um, the Air Cargo Road Phase 2, um, our PMI for um, our pavement management index is, is very low on the northern sections of our air cargo road. We plan to replace uh, that pavement and at the same time uh, create bike lanes uh, and new lighting. Uh, this will connect to uh, our bike lanes on 154th Street and uh, I think it actually connects to our Lake to Sound Trail um, from there. So um, also wanna highlight our fleet fast EV charging. Um, this project will provide two uh, level three charging depots, uh, one on the AOA and one in the garage for our, for our fleet, fleet for uh, fast charging. And I can go into some more detail here. Um, I wanted to see if there's any other questions or I'll, I can answer questions at the, at, the end of the, at the end of this presentation for okay, capital. I think we should keep moving. We've got about seven okay. minutes slated left. I wanna give okay. you five and then I'll contract for a little bit more time for the commissioners to ask questions too. Okay, so I'll, I'll run through these last ones. Uh, next slide, please. So I, I didn't really talk about this on that last slide, but this is our um, parking garage rehab pr uh, project. We've bundled three project requests together. Uh, so the center sections of the garage are over 50 years old and in uh, desperate need of rehabilitation. Uh, with the recent fire, we've come to grips uh, with the fact that our fire suppression standpipes and connections are outdated and, and not code compliant and, and really provide low pressure. Um, the garage itself has significant cracking and spalling uh, with certain column and beam connections showing initial failure. Uh, this project will provide a significant rehab uh, to the base building sections of the garage. Next slide, please. So this is, uh, we talked a little bit about the cargo buildings. I think at the last commission meeting, you were informed on cargo uh, building 161E. Um, we've bundled the next three cargo buildings uh, together into one project. Uh, we're really reviewing this all as one program, so we'll be monitoring the project uh, projects in, in this program against the program budget. Next slide, please. So I've, I've already kind of discussed the, uh, the airfield work bundling we have done. Uh, this is our largest portion of the 2023 capital uh, proposal. Next slide, please. So, um, so these are just a couple of slides uh, kind of showing different ways of breaking down the, uh, the CIP. Here we've kind of highlighted the mega projects uh, against all others. Uh, the mega projects, of course, as you can see, take up nearly 50% uh, 
uh, of our capital plan uh, altogether. And you can see our proposed new projects. Uh, we've planned in the next five years to spend uh, about 400 million of, of, the, of, of our proposed uh, plan. Uh, next slide, please. And so this is just a breakdown of our CIP based on, um, on statuses. Uh, all, you know, you can see here where we're standing on our construction authorized work. This is work that is, uh, is proceeding into construction or is in construction and uh, it's on a path. It will spend this, this, uh, these cash flows. Design authorized is our status fours. Uh, those are getting ready to, uh, a lot of these are getting ready to come to uh, construction authorization. Uh, and then um, mm -hmm. we still have a fair amount in our status twos and threes, which are pending commission authorization, uh, these are these are pieces of work that um, you know we still carry our, our SoCo Evo project in there, the main terminal improvement program in there. Uh, those are two major uh, elements that have yet to come for uh, full authorization or at least design authorization, I would say. Uh, and um, we need to stay on uh, on schedule for those. Uh, to meet our uh, to meet our budgets um, as as best we can, and I think from that I might be handing it back to uh, Borgen. But uh, any questions on on sort of the capital uh, program past and present? Uh, let's go back to Borgen and finish up the presentation. Then we'll okay, let's move on to the next slide. Then, please, very quickly, our our funding plan for this capital program. And the, the light blue in 2023 and the dark blue uh, in the subsequent years is our bond funding. And that is the vast majority of how we pay for our programs from revenue bonds. The, you, you asked some questions about grants before and you see in purple, what we have is the, the AIP. And this would include money that we would are anticipating as part of the bipartisan infrastructure law or bill. And that includes the portion that's allocated to us as well as an estimate of what we may get from the competitive grants of which we've already got the first uh, 10 million for the restroom projects and we will be applying for more in, in each subsequent year um, but uh, the green is cash and obviously when we hit our cash target building it up to that level then we're going to have a little more to, to spend directly on the capital program which is key but we are, we're going to be highly leveraged. We're going to be issuing quite a few bonds to, to pay for this capital program, and that's an appropriate way to fund long-term infrastructure investments. Next slide. The forecast, um, I think the interesting information is actually on the next slide, so let's go to the next slide, please. So just some of the key measures, um, debt service coverage, I indicated that it would be going down, and that's clearly what we see here. But even at, at 1.5 in 2027, that's still a, a pretty strong level. And we anticipate hitting the 18 months of uh, O&M as our cash balance by 2025. The other measure that's worth highlighting, I think, is the uh, passenger airline cost per employment, or CPE. And you can see that rising up to over $24 by 2027. By historical standards, this would make us a relatively high-cost airport. And that is the direction we are going in with the very significant capital investments we are making and the investments we are making, in effect, in, in, in customer experience. So 
We are making a lot of investments, and it's, it's uh, with modest growth in passengers over the next uh, five years, we will see our, our cost per employment going up. But we think these are still wise investments. Next slide, and I think that might be it. Oh, just just shows our cash balance, so I think we've covered that. So next slide. Done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Great job. Okay, I am going to launch in with some questions, some of which I'm just going to um, make as homework for Borgen and Lance to get back to us on. Um, the um, You began to answer one of them, which is how do we compare to other hubs? Uh, and particularly on that question of cost per employment. Um, as I look at the financial documents, it's clear that our revenues overall are less connected to ticket prices. Like if, if we tracked, we put a chart up that showed average ticket price um, by some metric over time and compared that to our revenue, we'd see that they aren't in fact linked as closely as say non-aeronautical revenues are to our overall revenues. And I think what that is basically saying is the fees that we charge airlines are not based on a percentage of their ticket costs so much as fixed fees for takeoffs and landings and some passenger. Yeah, so fundamentally our, our lease agreement with the airlines dictates how we charge the airlines. And it's fundamentally cost recovery. And those costs include capital costs. So when we issue bonds to pay for a new facility, the debt service on those bonds go into the rate base. <clears throat> so our costs are going up rather dramatically with the International Arrivals Facility and the North Satellite. And the, when these mega projects come on, they will go up even more. So as, a, as an airline, it's, they're looking at SeaTac as, as their, their facility, and they have to have, um, have to have it make sense from a business standpoint. But we work with the airlines extensively uh, in briefing them on these projects, and they're very involved. And in fact, the North Main Terminal uh, project is a, is a tenant reimbursement with Alaska. They are actually doing it. So there is a lot of partnership with the airlines. I think they understand these investments. We want them to understand these investments. So that it really is a, a, a joint investment because we're making the investments, but the airlines ultimately will be paying for a big share of them. I, the reason I highlight that is because I know for a lot of our uh, the public, they're they see that you know the price of a ticket to fly round trip to uh, maybe a destination they've been to before is significantly higher. Uh, but we, our, our um, revenues from that ticket aren't based on a percentage of that Correct. total amount. It's based on a fee that we charge. Completely separated. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that then ties into this question of you know if we hit about twenty-five dollars CPE, how does that compare to? San Francisco or LAX or, or Vancouver, um, and that can be maybe a, a follow-up item. Okay. My second question is, um, back in the earlier part of the presentation, I noticed that clubs and lounges revenue has not is not anticipated to hit the pre-pandemic numbers. Um, is that a function of uh, just total square footage of lounge space that's open right now? Is it that we're not seeing the type of traveler that uses lounges coming back as quickly as others? And and again, maybe just that, that can be part of a note to commissioners after this. Okay. I think that's a, a bigger question. I'm also interested in getting a little bit more detail about the SAF pilot project. Um, and so maybe that's already written. It might actually already be in the stack of materials that we have, but somebody could just kind of uh, highlight that or, or send me an email on that. Um, and then 
I think my final question is back just a couple of slides on the so on page 57 or slide 57 um, the dark gray uh, PFC I don't see it anywhere on there is that because we don't use PFCs for capital? We use that for operations? No, actually, most of the PFCs, and there's probably a, just a few million that is, that is used directly, the vast majority of it is used to pay debt service. So it doesn't show up as part of the capital funding plan, but it is a key mechanism to fund the capital program and to uh, mitigate the impact of those rate increases. So if we pay debt service with PFCs, that debt service does not go in the rate base. And that's why the International Arrivals Facility, a billion-dollar asset, we're still able to manage the cost that goes into that rate base to some extent by using PFCs. Um, and it, uh, that's just an opportunity for me to get on my hobby horse again and say I sure would love it if we could increase the PFC amount, if we could get the airlines to support the airports in doing that at the federal level, because that is determined by the federal government. And, and finally, just a comment to say that this represents a billion dollars a year in capital improvements just for the aviation divisions. It's an extraordinarily big project. I'm, I'm truly appreciative that we have the expertise in-house to manage these projects. But it is very ambitious. And Steve, you and your team have a lot. You're undertaking a lot here. And, and uh, but it's um, it's necessary for the uh, for us at the airport to be able to to manage the kind of demand that we're seeing. So, thanks, Morgan. Any other? Um. Go ahead, Commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just two, two. I didn't hear the third question he asked, but the first two question, CPE, we can provide the com the information to you. Just want you to be aware. In most cases, it's not an apples to apples comparison. CPE in San Francisco or um, LAX, if you're looking at uh, their CPE versus our CPE, it's not necessarily the same. Um, it's not an apples to apples um, calculation. So we just need to be cautious of that. With regards to the lounges, a huge dependency on the lounge is actually international traffic. And interna international traffic has not rebounded to where it was before. And that's one of the reasons why we have seen such a, um, a lag in terms of the, the revenues from our lounges. It's because of international traffic. That's a major component. Thank you, Lance. That helps to understand. And if you want to uh, frame that, that sort of comparison to other hubs, with the appropriate metrics if CPE isn't the one, then I'd, I'd love to see that too. Okay, we are uh, about five minutes past time, so I'm gonna ask the other commissioners, if you have additional questions, let's ask them quickly, but maybe just requesting uh, feedback in the form of memos um, or a response from Steve in future public meetings too, so we can get that into the public record as well. Uh, so with that, are there any other questions based on the latter half of the presentation? Great, go ahead, Commissioner Mohammed. I just, um, I think I just have a kind of a yes or no question, and I think this is an important question for the public. Around page 49, the community noise uh, mitigation program, the sound installations, these are all new projects that we're talking about, right? It's not replacement, but these are new homes that we're in, um, installing these, uh, the, the mitigation on, right? Yeah, we are these. These are these are new uh, new windows that we are putting in uh, triple pane. Um, you know, windows that we are that we are putting in for noise insulation. And then, can you clarify where these dollars are coming from? Yes, we have about um, 
All, it's, it's grant eligible, and I, I believe we've got about 80% uh, of the eligible costs would be funded with grants. So probably in the 70 to 75% range, we would expect to be covered with grants. Great. And I just want to point Good. out, too, that there is going to be a new airport noise coordinator that will probably be supporting this as well, right? Correct? Yeah, the, 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 the FTE that I mentioned, I think, is specifically in our noise group to help with the Part 150 study. Now, it just gives the department more capacity, but it's not—it's—it's it's in the—it's um, uh, in the the noise group, not in the capital delivery uh, project management group, which is where the the money is being spent here. Great, thank you for those answers, and I think that's important investments that is important to the public. So thank if you. For I could that. just. Yeah. If I could just add real quick, because this is very important. We just we just did a tour last, actually this week, um, no last week rather. The sound sound the noise mitigation is is far more than just window insulation. It's windows, it's door, it's um, it's HVAC, it's you know ventilation. It is actually far more complicated than we would than than we would think. So it's a whole lot that goes into a single home or a condominium um, sound insulation project. A whole lot. Any other questions for commissioners? Commissioner Cho, I see you on there. Can I just get a point of clarification? I think what Commissioner Muhammad was referring to or trying to get at is when she, when when we're talking about new, we're not talking about like basically these windows are new or they're not used, right? What we're what I think she was trying to get to is whether or not these are folks who've never received sound mitigation before or if there's or, or if these are people who may have received it and they failed and they're receiving new insulation so ones that have never ones that have never received it before Kerry right. correct me if I'm wrong but it's ones that have never received it before uh, you know, I might. I don't know if there's anyone on the phone on on from uh, environmental or from our our noise team from PMG. I do believe there you are, Sarah. Uh, I do believe we might have some that uh, received uh, noise mitigation or insulation very very early on and potentially are coming back around. No, no, no. That's not no. true. This, that's please do no, not. It is, this is only for. Uh, okay, sorry. Residents that have never received um, sound insulation mitigation packages. Okay, one more time, Sarah. Can you please say that clearly for the public? Yep. Um, this funding is for residents um, that have not received sound insulation mitigation packages previously. That's what we mean when we say new. Correct. <laughs> Just clarifying for the public. Thank you. That's right. And that's important because, you know, there are folks who are interested in us uh, supporting replacement. And so the point that I'm making is that there are a lot of folks out there who have not received installations who need that work to happen. And that is clearly being prioritized in this budget. And so um, that is really important for the public to understand that there are um, a whole lot of investments, over $100 million that are going into installations for people who have not received it and are gonna be receiving this for the first time. Thank you, Commissioner Cho, and everyone who helped answer that question. Okay, Commissioner Fellman. All right, just a quick observation. I was surprised that we're peaking at 2025 in the CIP when the mega project still exists. So I'm just surprised just in forecasting forward and of course I'm not including Sam and these other projects. It's, it, is that not giving us a false impression that we're gonna 
I mean, 2025, I don't know, is C building going to be even designed by that time? C concourse? So there, there will, these mega projects that start, the cash flows will continue, obviously, beyond this five-year period. Um, what we're looking at with the, uh, the number of mega projects hitting at once, we do see this as a, as a peak, with the caveat that none of these cash flows include any potential spending from the Sustainable Airport Master Plan near-term projects. If those are approved and if they were added on and if they impact this time frame, that could alter the peak, extend the, the I, spending. I, I mean, it, would, it will change the numbers. Okay. I, I just thought even yeah. with the ones that are on the design that we would be extending further. I, I do want to just uh, well, no, with, regarding the uh, CPEs, they would decline again after we are done with some of the construction or are they to stay at that point? Because I thought this is a classic cyclical thing that when airports on these big growth modes, CPs go up and then they come down again? Yeah, well, that you're, you're absolutely right. And you, you tend to make these major investments every 10 to 15 to 20 years. Our, our cost per employment was relatively stable for oh gosh, for almost 15 years, where it was sort of between about $10 and, and $13. And it's really just started to go up in the last few years, all anticipated with these major projects. And uh, yes, we would, if, if the spending <laughs> were, were to slow down, we would see the CPE start to go down because most of those debt service will be fixed. And as right. the passenger level goes up, the cost per passenger is gonna go down. So one of the things is when we have such an ambitious C CIP, one of the things looking at our, our KPIs, all this acronym stuff, um, and ABC. So the, the question I was like, we set out, you know, a billion dollar projects last year. I mean, how much did we get done over the last year? And why does it, do we have backlog of projects in addition to this uh, new set of uh, work? And I just thought of, of all the projects that we really could of all the categories of work that we do that KPIs can be really helpful is to look at that and what were, we know there were challenges with IAF, we know there were certain things that held us up, but just to understand whether or not we met our ambitions and how much that hangover might affect our ability to continue to meet our, our future goals. You know, we do report that on our quarterly reports. Um, I'll say this year we're probably going to, well, we'll give you the third quarter report here in another couple of weeks, uh, three weeks probably, and you'll see where we are. We're going to be coming in probably in that 75 to 80% range for this year, um, maybe a little bit lower, um, and, and we'll, we'll explain it. Um, and Carrie, you may have some additional insights or comments in terms of where we are this year. Yeah, so the only thing I would say there is it's our um, it's our mega projects that really, you know, make or break us uh, as far as our cash flows and, and what we spend on a yearly basis. And uh, our our Seattle Gateway project, uh, we had anticipated spending uh, quite a bit more this year. We did have sort of uh, a, a configuration change with that with that project and uh, went back and started uh, doing some modeling and some more reviews. Uh, so uh, it took us a little bit longer to get to this place where we're ready to start construction. Um, but uh, that's that was one of the bigger ones where we um, did not spend uh, near as much as we anticipated at the beginning of the year. I have a really short answer, real short question, and I promise I'm done. 
So I see we're clustering all of our, our air cargo projects. And I was just wondering, you know, we know that international flight, business flight is lagging domestic. How's air cargo doing, pure cargo versus belly cargo? And in general, overall, since 2019. Um, if I could jump in real quick, air cargo, um, Commissioner, is actually one of the the um, metrics that actually um, weathered the storm during the pandemic. We saw a very, very slight decline um, in air cargo um, during the pandemic, and actually, it said it said it has. I think it will increase past um, 500,000 metric tons this year. Belly cargo is going to increase as well because we have international traffic um, coming back um, strongly as well. So that will increase. All right, thank you so much. All right, uh, Executive D Director Metric, do you have any comments before we close? I just want to comment, uh, thanks, Commissioners. Thanks for those questions and feedback. There's some questions in there that we'll get back the Commissioners on. And the other one is our capacity to deliver on capital programs. That's something, as you look at those, it does, doesn't happen, and we continue to ramp up to try to have that increased capacity, but report back on our ability to do that as we go forward, because it is a large increase, as Commissioner Feldman has pointed out. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you, Borgen. Thank you, Lance. And thank you, Carrie, for your presentation this morning. It was really helpful. And we will um, conclude our study session. Uh, the time is currently 1146. Thanks again, everyone. We will next convene at noon for our regular business meetings. We'll see you in 14 minutes, and we're adjourned. Mr. Commission President, we will need a few minutes to work on our technology, so I am going to post notice that we'll begin 15 minutes late okay. for our we'll regular meeting. Okay, we'll see you meeting. at 12.15 then.